Real quick, I gotta let you in on a testing secret. With regulations and breaches on the rise, production data is no longer safe or legal for developers to use. And creating test data in-house is a complex chore that eats away valuable time. That's where Tonic comes in. They make it possible to create a true mirror of production by safely and realistically mimicking production data. So you can work on real product and steer clear of surprises at release time. Learn more at tonic.ai slash code story. We had just one shot. It was not a corporate, you know, innovation process where you have multiple chances to do MVPs. It was like, hey, whether we have to do it now and we have to do it in one shot right. Obviously, the trade-offs were always coming in from, you know, what we can do with limited budget. We were not many people. Those calls we took based on, you know, what is the core essence of the delivery service of these robots. We always focused on a complete use case where the robot should be capable of navigating in both indoor and outdoor environments seamlessly. Hi, this is Ritukar Vijay. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Autonomy. This is Code Story. A podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Six, six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mark. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to begin. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart. And today, how Ritagar Vijay is taking autonomous delivery to level four by using robots to navigate staffing shortages. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-sourced edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Ritikar Vijay has been in tech for around 16 years. During his studies, he was interested in robotics, which he describes as the culmination of computer and physical sciences. Outside of tech, he's married with a six-year-old son. He mentioned that his son is quite inquisitive, and is requesting robot features from home, preparing to build his first robot in the future. Prior to COVID and during lockdowns, Ritikar started ideating about the autonomous delivery for an industry that was overlooked for automation. They started to create robots to service this industry and did so from their guest rooms. This is the creation story of autonomy. So Autonomy builds autonomous delivery robots meant for hyper-local deliveries of food and beverage, retail, and packages. 
you know i've spent good amount of time in autonomous driving technologies robotics me and my co-founders we we you know realized that a true deployment or usage of autonomous delivery is something which can be you know centered around deliveries it is one of the most expensive and complicated leg of supply chain and yet underserved when it comes to technology we started ideating it before covid and during you know the lockdowns in the covid we started working in that direction for an mvp and what not we are operational across the globe north america europe and middle east and that's about it yeah tell me about the mvp so here you're talking about ideating you know prior to covid and then building during covid tell me about that mvp the first version of the product you built how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life honestly before starting the company since all of us were experienced in the industry we realized very early that we are not able to you know move any further not with investors not with customers if we have an idea on a pitch deck we need to have a physical product and since our product is literally physical we have to have an mvp before we move forward to even talk to any customer so that became very very important for us and we started on before starting the company just to understand that uh, whether we can pull it off so four of us four co-founders and few early members we uh, you know started making the initial designs and also manufacturing of these robots micro assemblies in our guest rooms and when the mvp was made the first thing was you know okay these are the you know set of limited features but the core functionality exists so that we can showcase that the underlying technology underlying you know feature set is functional and there can be a lot more which is possible over and above obviously you can have definition of mvp depending on where you are in terms of the journey of a company a product and you know a service maybe so our thought process was that an mvp should be in a form where it can be piloted at a customer location right so that was our string you know very clear definition of it it might be having some limited functionality in terms of like you know the robots might not look best in you know fabrication but functionally they should perform everything what it needs to be done in terms of autonomous navigation you know interaction with people software apis and everything so so that was our definition and we actually put it off in like 3 to 4 months during the lockdowns it could have been faster if there were no lockdowns but uh, i think everything happens for a reason it was meant to be done like that at that point in time Let's stay on that MVP for a minute and you're alluding to some of these at a high level but I want to dig into a a decision or trade-off you had to make. Maybe is around, you know, what you use to build it or your approach or technical debt or anything like that just to prove the point, but I'm curious about those decisions and how you coped with them. We are four co-founders and you know, so we were like four to six people at that point in time when we were doing you know started working on the mvp so a lot of coordination was required so we used multiple channels like you know slack whatsapp and you know emails to make sure that we are on the same page because we had just one shot it was not a corporate you know innovation process 
where if you you know where you have multiple chances to do mvps it was like hey whether we have to do it now and we have to do it in one shot right at least in terms of functionality and obviously the trade offs were always coming in from you know what we can do with limited budget limited you know resources we were not many people those calls we took based on you know what is the core essence of the delivery service of these robots we always focused on a complete use case where the robot should be capable of navigating in both indoor and outdoor environments seamlessly it should be having those you know transitions as well so we never compromised on you know the type of sensors which we are using so day one we have been using 3d lidars and you know cameras for doing autonomous navigation so functionality was given the first and the most important priority and then everything you know worked backwards that how to make it happen this episode is encrypted by cypherstash data breaches are becoming a fact of life know why one of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done ie encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate the solution encryption in use with cypherstash cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data with cypherstash you can turn your existing database into a vault utilizing zero trust key management sql native and with no code though encryption is complicated cypherstash is easy to use the tool fully supports sql via a drop in driver replacement supporting the query types you know and love today And do we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than 1 millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus Sequelize today. Visit cypherstash.com/codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble, super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com/codestory. That's t r b l l e dot com slash code story. So you've got your MVP; it's working. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? You know, now we're into twenty twenty three. We're we're past the the lockdown. How did you go about building your roadmap? And how did you go about deciding? Okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with autonomy. the most important thing which is part of our dna is like build the product put it out in the customer and while working with the customer you'll get to know what you need to build next either incrementally or a drastic change what we did was after our first mvp was made we had like you know a, a small pilot with a customer 
uh, integrated pilot with an e-commerce company and that gave us a, some press and also you know that helped us to secure a customer you know in Cincinnati right from then and even you know mid of 2021 and 22 so when we actually put these robots out as a deployed product we were constantly learning from the customer so one major shift which happens where we actually last august launched autobots 2.0 was you know we were in at an airport where these robots were deployed and one of the engineers just cracked a joke that hey it's too crowded i wish the robot could have moved sideways to avoid that crowd we laughed it off at that point in time but you know two weeks later we had a design sprint and we actually started thinking in that direction and that was how our latest version of autobots were born which had a functionality where it can do crab walk i mean it can move sideways it can have zero radius turns and all that so i think it's it's in continuous iterative process of bringing the product to the customer in the fastest way possible so that you learn more and you know you are closer to the product which is going to scale to 1000 units or 2000 Let's switch to team. So now you mentioned four co-founders and I'm curious about the relationship there, but I'm also curious about how you built your team and and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? One of the most important thing, you know, in the founding team is like it should work as well-oiled engine so you don't have to spend too much time making other person understand that what you want to achieve so that everybody is successful in their own goals and everything should contribute to a, the company goal we had a long relationship all four of us we knew the, each other since 2012 one of the co-founders was my college junior in the robotics club so we knew each other since a long time and that's what the you know frequency was common but the more important thing was like how to build the team from here on you know it's a common problem which happens with startups that once you go for hiring you keep hiring the same similar type of people over and over again because you think the frequency is matching but you need to have complementary skill sets to you know have a wonderful team you know be it like five people or you know even 50 people which which we are right now we were lucky one of our early investors called kinetic ventures they had a brilliant ai based tool which can you know identify what is the archetype of a person like you know whether they are disruptors or they are strategists and what not they put in like uh, the the initial investment because all the four co-founders which we were we were in four different quadrants we were completely complementary to each other so without even having very detailed discussion they put in the money just seeing the founding team and we continued using that ai based tool to identify that how our teams are growing and which areas we need to focus on what type of people we need to have more apart from their you know technical competence you know archetype is very important not all disruptors bring a wonderful team right not all strategists or you know, artisans will make a wonderful team it has to be a balanced thing that's what we've been using ai for This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. 
So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai/codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy with a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech/codestory and get started today. That's t u r s o.tech/codestory. Terso Welcome to the Data Edge. This will be interesting given what you're building, but I'm I'm curious about where your mind goes or was in the beginning to now with scalability. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day 1 or is this something you have to fight as you grow in any sort of capacity with autonomy? We had a psych, you know, thought process that play to win. So when we were making these robots, we had this thought that these robots need to be scaled further. But there were decisions taken in the initial versions of the robot that, hey, you know, we don't have to be 100% ready to scale up at this point in time. So there are a few things which are, you know, more focused around manufacturability in, in long term. So those, those were left, at, you know, initially, which we are covering now. So at this point in time, a lot of value engineering is happening to make the product which is accepted by the customers and making it more economical in terms of the cost and repeatable in terms of the scale of manufacturing. One more aspect which we realized was that regarding the usage of the robot, not only the end customer, but also with the, you know, the team which is installing these, you know, tens or hundreds of robots at you know in different areas so that's that's where you know that becomes another angle to look at where usability of the product for installation is or maintenance is also very very important as we scale up Ritikar, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of i think what we are proud of is that we were able to pull it off you know what we were thinking during COVID that, hey, let's do this. And today we have a very enthusiastic and competent team who is also thinking the same that let's do it. So I think that that continuation of energy is something which is which is what we have built. I mean, products can, you know, improve, they can drastically change. But what you're left with is the team which can actually make the difference. So that's that's exactly what I'm proud of. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I think one of the most important things is that uh, get getting everything right in the first go and it has to be perfect. Now that definition of perfect is sometimes which keeps a lot of startups go a little slow. So after the initial you know MVP test which we did, it took almost 6 months for us to you know get to a deployed product. That is something if we could have like, you know, 
really improvised in terms of definition of the perfect it could have been done like 3 months earlier and the deployed effect would have been fast the learnings would have been faster so you know we learned from that experience because we were an early stage company had a successful you know mvp test with a customer and then took 6 months to deploy now that was something which was not a very very comfortable state you know what we learned was that be agile have a look at the future what what is required but you know be quick to put the product version in front of the customer sooner so that the learnings which we were having after 6 months or 8 months after putting the robots that could come in early and we can improvise the product better so i think agility is something which we learned in the first you know initial phases of our company and that still stays with us i think you know that is that is name of the game because that's how you can actually disrupt if it takes like 3 to 6 months to you know realize a change into an actual product i think it's too late in current generation this will be really interesting to hear especially you know from the founders standpoint what does the future look like for the product and for your team there has been tremendous noise when it comes to ai and you know the applications of ai i think you know one of the major changes or a sea change which is coming in into the market is around people right so people are not willing to do certain jobs and they need to be transferred to a more effective solution this has happened in the past with computer computers like when personal computers came in a lot of people you know were repurposed to different roles that's exactly what is going to happen when it when it comes to robotics and it is an actual physical avatar of ai deployments happening in next 5 to 10 years like so i think a lot of change in last 5 years or 10 years what we have seen is the warehousing industry having a lot of robots to do material you know movement the next 5 to 10 you'll see a lot of public robots which are part of our day to day lives which will be including autonomous cars robot taxis and delivery robots these are the things which are going to you know keep us occupied for next 5 to 10 years ritkar let's switch to you who influences the way that you work name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why i'm slightly crazy when it comes to ideation or you know i'm a believer in terms of what my gut says and that's a very risky proposition so what balances out is you know my wife she is a very realistic person and you know keeps me in fine checks and balances so that my wild dreams are you know actually toned out to a, a real action plan she might not be contributing directly but indirectly that helps me to structure my thoughts very effectively i think i look up to her to to keep me in a realistic action plan but you know broadly it's like instinct driven development which which happens because that gives you understanding of what the customer wants based on all your knowledge but at, at the end you need to have your instinctive you know decision making which helps you to take those calls otherwise everything else is data driven you really don't have to you know make or apply too much brain out of it Ritikar last question so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing they're jazzed about it they can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? One of the things which I'll tell him that you know never stop pitching. So you never know, you know who you are sitting next to. 
initially everybody is enthusiastic but after 6 months of pitching you know the energy goes down and then you become selective where to pitch where not to pitch i think if you're making a product specifically in you know b2c or a b2b2c segment where customer is involved getting their reactions responses always important so it doesn't matter that the person sitting next to you is an investor or an end customer so i think you know that will be number one advice that keep the way it is uh, but at the same time you know do conserve your energy because this is not something you know uh, which is going to finish even if you're successful getting an article on techcrunch is not going to you know end that is that will just start a new journey which will be much more challenging so have a long term goal not just like quick wins that's fantastic advice well ritikar thank you for being on the show today and thank you for telling the creation story of autonomy thank you noah wonderful discussion and this concludes another chapter of code story Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.